You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Techie Leadership Show. Today with us we have Nedialko Milenkov. He is the CTO and co-founder at Mobile Wave Solutions. He's an experienced manager with over 10 years of experience in IT, very passionate about resolving problems, improving and optimizing processes, understanding and evolving company values, and helping teams to succeed. He is extremely passionate about technology and people growth. This is the main reason behind him co-founding Mobile Wave Solutions, a company focused on bringing tech dreams to reality. Hello, and welcome to our show. Hi, Nedialko. Hi, guys, and thank you for your invite. Ah, it's our pleasure to our have you pleasure. on the show. Um, in our quest to get speakers from all the countries around the world to talk about how it is to be a leader in technology. And do business. Yes. And do you want to add anything else about yourself? Um, well, I, I think you've been pretty extensive. Um, I can add that, you know, I, I started... Uh, programming or, or developing apps when I was uh, like in sixth grade. So it was always oh. my passion to, to create software. I, I remember the days when, <clears throat> when I've, I was actually saving money to, to buy books for uh, programming, uh, to doing websites. Uh, now it's very hard to explain to the younger audience, you know, to, to save money to buy books because oh everything God, is online. They were so expensive, <laughs> especially in Eastern Europe. <laughs> Programming exactly. books in the 90s and the 2000s, they were crazy expensive. They were priced in dollars and, and <laughs> trust me, the exchange rate between dollars and our currency back then. <sighs> <laughs> I know, I know because, you know, Bulgaria is close to, to you guys and uh, it's, it is the same. You know, it's like uh, instead of buying you some fancy gift or something like this from your birthday uh, money, yes. you, you buy one book. And that's it. And yes. then you save money for, for your next book. <laughs> so, but it's hard to explain it to the, to the younger generation because right now everything is, uh, most of the things are free. If you, long, if you want to learn something, it's, it's accessible. So it's much easier to, uh, you know, start uh, developing your dream, whether it's uh, programming or, oh, yeah. or something else. So I started like, I don't know, more than 15 years ago developing and then uh, in, in my high school to university, I did some freelance projects. Uh, and when I, when I started on my first job, I actually had to tune down my experience because, you know, people wouldn't believe me that I started. <laughs> you know too much. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I had to tune it down to, to look more, you know, accurate. <laughs> so, uh, and... 15, 17 years fast forward, it's, uh, here, here I am with um, development experience, but also, you know, when, when, you, when you create apps, when, when you develop for more than 10 years, you, you want to make something different, right? So, so that, that's why I've, you know, decided that my next challenge would be uh, to develop something like uh, develop a company, grow a team, develop a team, develop expertise and uh, et cetera. So that's what, we, what I've been doing in the last uh, seven years. And how is it going? Uh, it's going good. I mean, it's quite uh, rewarding. 
um, it, it has ups and downs, of course, as uh, everything else. Um, but I think watching people grow, for me personally, it's, it's the most uh, rewarding uh, thing and, and, and solving problems, right? And actual problems. And also, you know, creating this safe work environment where people can do their job and they like to go to the office. I mean, now it's different. Yeah. I mean, people don't talk yes. about much about office, but, but before, you know, it's like you spend more than half of your day uh, in, in the office, right? It's like your second family. So second it life. needs to be pleasant. Exactly, second life. And uh, my, uh, you know, my question, my objective was always to make this as, as, a, as a comfy second home where you, you were excited to go to work. Well, now I'm really excited about talking with you because that's something that we also want to provide the world and open their eyes because uh, unfortunately, in most tech companies, uh, most people there are there for just because they get paid to be, not because they feel like they're part of something, they're doing something worthwhile, uh, that they're growing or developing. Uh, usually they lose skills uh, the longer they stay at a company in a position because they get specialized in one project or just a part of a project. Um, which sometimes it's older technology and it's not something new, it's not exciting. Um, and it, it's good to hear that there are companies out there that invest money and time and resources to make sure that their people actually grow, develop and feel like, feel welcome and they're happy coming to the office. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Told, I told somebody in the past, I said, listen, you cannot attract top talent with, uh, with money alone. Because I told them, uh, people that are mo very motivated by money are usually foreign, fall into three categories. Either they have um, lots of debt and they need the money, or they have very expensive passions, photography, cars, whatever it is, and that might conflict with what they with their timeline for working. So they'll want more time off to enjoy their passions, or they have a drug problem which means that they cannot be top performers all of the time. So unless these are the free picks that you want, try to focus on other things to attract people to your, uh, to your company. That's a good example. I, I like it. So uh, I, I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I know the markets in Bulgaria and Romania are, 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 are similar and, and also in, in, in Europe, not to mention, you know, US. But, but it's really hard to attract good talents, right? And uh, at some point, as you said, you know, money are, are not the most important uh, part of, of, of your job. Of course, everyone works for money. So this is really important. And, uh, you know, I, I always try to show it instead of saying it only, uh, you know, Money, it's important. So whatever you do, you need to be paid accordingly, right? Whether, yeah, whether exactly. it's in your salary or some uh, stocks or, or some other type of investment, you, because you, you spend your time primarily to earn money. If, if that's not the case, you go to a movie, you, you go to a restaurant with your friends, you know, you, you have a leisure time. But, but then after that, everything else that a company offers is actually the differentiator between uh, between the companies, right? So 
uh, everyone can say, okay, this is a, I offer you X amount. And then company B says, I offer you the same, right? So, so how do you choose? Uh, it's the small things that are important, right? The, the, the setup of the office, the, the mindset of the colleagues, the company culture, uh, the opportunities to grow, how do you attract people? But then once you have attract them, how do you keep them in your company? Because yeah. what you said, it's, that's the reality. I mean, people join company and they leave company. What, what makes them stay in a company, right? Especially if you have a boring project or you've been doing something for years. That, that's what I believe true managers should be, uh, should be doing. And they are doing, you know, we are doing. We're trying to keep our people in the company and trying to uh, make them grow. Uh, because when they grow, you know, they, they, they face new challenges. So they are happy to uh, explore these challenges, uh, gain new knowledge. Um, so for me, that's really important. And the market is very dynamic. I mean, people, sometimes they jump from company to company every, every two or three years, right? Especially in the, yes. in the IT industry. So this is what... Uh, and in a way, it's true that... People leave because of management and they stay because of leadership. So, Absolutely. and it's too much focus. I've seen too much focus like how to do, do management and uh, it's, it goes like into micromanagement and all this stuff. Uh, or sometimes it's better to have no management at all and let people organize themselves than to have uh, the management without leadership basically yeah. this is called scrum by the book <laughs> I've, I've never seen it implemented like this i mean this is the holy grail right i mean people to self-organize maybe we'll get there eventually i mean but but it requires a lot of you know of everyone to be on the same page and uh, people to to know each other so when you have new teams or dynamic teams when you add a lot of uh, newcomers it's really hard to do it. So, so you need someone in, in the management side to actually drive to, to steer the boat, so, so to say. But uh, yeah, what, what you've mentioned uh, has been my dream, you know, to, <laughs> to set, because if, if you have it, you don't need managers, right? <laughs> yes, and it's possible. It is possible and it happens at some companies because sometimes you have absentee managers, they just like staying in their office and do nothing. Uh, the, the only way it goes wrong is if you have the client, uh, the, the, the person that actually pays for everything, uh, they're obnoxious. And then you need, uh, you need the leader or even the manager to step in and take all that beating. You cannot have the, the people doing yeah. the work because they don't have the authority to Absolutely. stay in front of them because it's not presenting that way. So that's where, but if you have like uh, like a match made in heaven, you have like a really good client or client base uh, and uh, they trust you and they work with you. They see like you're taking good decisions. They like to communicate a lot. Uh, in that situation, you really don't need managers. They should step away. Just let the tech team do their, their jobs and everything is going to be fine, especially if you have professionals. Uh, hired in, inside the companies and they all pride themselves of being, as being professional. Um, that, that's a, another rant it would be like basically uh, not a lot of professionals out there. Um, they might be good with tech but not 
they don't have like the professional demeanor. This you can still feel like you're in like a kindergarten yeah. when you get in some offices. Sometimes. <laughs> the only thing I would recommend adding to this, if you have um, self-organizing teams, as the manager or the director or the CTO or whatever your title is, the chief boss over the people that you actually supervise, from time to time, um, uh, speak with them and ask them, how is your client treating you? How is the work? Do you, do you enjoy it? Go through a list of things just to, to get them used to the flow and then drop the really important question. Do you want to keep going with this client or should we look for a new one for you? Mm. Even because if they say, we want, I want to look for a new one, then might ask them, you first ask, okay, what are we looking for in the new client to be able to draw out the real problems that they have with the current client? And even if you don't find a new client, okay, at least at least you're thinking about them, and they know that. And trust me, people appreciate that. No, it has to be an option on the table, and it's something like in most outsourcing companies, and even in big companies, because you can have you can have a product company, and fifty percent of all your revenue come from one client. So basically, you're outsourcing for that client, and whatever he wants, he gets. Yeah. And having having management or leadership better said in, in the company say like look i know you're taking some pressure now but we need him at the moment and we're working active these are the steps we're doing being transparent to find two three more clients like him so we have options so we don't depend so much on, on that one client two three more big accounts rather yes. than clients like <laughs> yes. him but yeah that's the direction and you'd be surprised uh, of how people react to that because uh, great uh, workers, great developers, since we're speaking about um, tech companies, um, they either, they, yeah, it's true, they live because of, uh, they, they live uh, management rather than uh, companies. Uh, usually they fall into two categories. Either they think the work is beneath them, so they want new stuff, new challenging stuff. Or uh, they feel that they have been mistreated by the people giving them the work. Mm -hmm. It's one of these two. So they're looking for new pastures. You know, the grass seems uh, greener when you're stressed <laughs> out and anxious. And after six months, you discover it's the same thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That yeah. way, job hopping yeah. is really popular. Yeah. <laughs> Every two years. Or if, if you don't feel, if you feel underappreciated. Uh, yeah, that's that's another reason to to leave because uh, you you might be thinking that you're adding value, but the feedback that you're getting from your company is that uh, you're not doing very well. So that that's another reason for for someone to to leave. Yeah, the company. It happens a lot. Actually, it's even it's even worse than that because some feedback would be better, even negative feedback. Usually, you don't get any feedback at all. So they all, they go they go over the work that was assigned to you and tell you if it's passable or not, but they never give you feedback. How is the end user using it? Do they enjoy it? Do they find it intuitive? Did they appreciate it? Is it something that they want better done? Do, do they want? Did they really like something that maybe you should focus on using in other parts of of your work? We never get uh, feedback like that. So you 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 start running like a, a movie in your mind started doubting yourself anybody can start doubting themselves 
Yeah, absolutely. I I always say, especially when I do, you know, one-on-ones, it's like, uh, you know, the feedback, if I always try to imagine myself in, 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 in the other shoes, right? So if someone is giving me a feedback, I would much more appreciate it if, 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 if there's a constructive feedback, right? It's something that I can work on, right? And something that I can improve because everyone has something to improve, right? No, no matter how you know, great leader you are or a great developer or whatever, you have something to work on, right? We're all humans and we all advance in life. Uh, and it's an ongoing process that is the beauty of it. So uh, I think the most uh, uh, important feedback is the constructive one. I mean, what you need to improve or uh, what you actually need to do to get better, right? To get out of your comfort zone so that you can improve your skills. Because I think it's, you know, working for a company, it should be a two-way street, right? So basically you create a product for the company and, 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 and this is how company is growing, getting revenue. But then again, company should do something for you. Okay, yes, it, it's paying you money, but it can also give you so much more, so much more, you know, so. Uh, the thing is about constructive uh, feedback. Uh, without offering solutions or pathways on how a person can improve, it's if you don't offer the pathways, you're just offering criticism. Yeah, it's just nagging. Absolutely. It's just nagging. Yeah. yeah. So, so look, if you cannot offer, if you don't have the experience or the know-how of saying like, I was in your shoes or I saw people in in your shoes and how they got, how they improved this by doing this and this, or, or read that book, follow that course, go to this training, uh, go and talk with that colleague because he knows how to solve that issue. Without providing some resources, you're just criticizing and better not do it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when a, a manager should, you know, identify the, the areas where an employee can improve and, 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 and then give examples and then uh, offer resources for improvement and also his or her own help, right? Because uh, this is how you how you set an example. Uh, you see a developer that's struggling. You cannot just call that developer and say, you know, you need to work harder. <laughs> what does it mean, you know, work harder? And everyone has their own, <laughs> you know, meaning of harder or better or faster. So you, you, you need to give examples and, and then you need to provide, uh, act, as you said, actual solutions or suggestions, right? For example, yes. it, it's not like you're saying black and white, right? You, you, you can provide examples and then that person can extrapolate and make it, uh, whatever works for for him or her, right? Uh, so that's uh, really important. It's that's what I said. Constructive, right? It needs to be constructive. <laughs> Otherwise, it's as you said, it's you know like nagging someone. You're just nagging. Yeah. And Nidiako, let's get more focused on on the leadership part. And I'm really curious about your stories. Um, so starting from the top, what is the biggest leadership success story you witnessed personally? Right. So one that I can think of is um, I was working with senior developer and uh, throughout the years, um, you know, we're working together. Then uh, he went to another company. He changed several companies. And at some point when we uh, catched up, 
he said that you know he he moved to uh, team lead, and now he's a development manager. So it's it's really uh, you know cool to see someone in like five years to move in, in in the ladder and you know from from a senior developer to to have a team of five to ten people and then to be responsible for uh, 20 30 people right and uh, yes. this is for me it's very interesting and also i like to tease him and say you know oh now you see what my problems were if <laughs> 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 you know with developers <laughs> because now he see he sees the other side right and i think one of the um, one of the recommendations that I, I can give to, um, you know, to people who want to become leaders or, or want to, to lead or have a leading role like a team lead, manager, director, it's, it's like always put yourself on, on your, in your boss shoes, right? Why is he or she doing this? Because most of the times, if your boss is a, is a good leader, you know, most of the times he or she has a very valid reason for uh, what he's asking, right? So uh, try to, it, it's not always easy to un understand why you have been given some task, right? Or, or why a decision has been met. But it, when you try to reflect on this and, and ask yourself, okay, why is my boss asking me to do this? Or why he or she has taken this decision? You know, it doesn't make sense it should make sense, right? And, uh, and, and, and when you put yourself in your boss shoes, this is how you, you get experience. And this is actually how you show your, your manager that you are capable to take more tasks and you're, and you're capable to take uh, more leadership tasks. Because if you don't show um, you know, understanding, then probably you won't be trusted with, with more uh, leadership uh, task so uh, th this is something uh, that i've been doing you know throughout the years and i've been always asked even when i was developer right i was also always asking myself okay why are we doing this but i had situations where we were doing something that didn't make sense for me right so i always challenge myself and you know and sometimes i ask my my manager okay you, you know in a very constructive way okay so can you please tell me? I, I'm sure that you have a bigger picture. I'm sure that you cannot share all the information, but whatever you can share, it will really help me to understand, you know, why are we doing this way and, and not the way that I recommend, for example. So, yeah. This, this also makes great sense also for technicians, for developers. Always ask your client, okay, what is the purpose? Simplify it. If you have to put it mm -hmm. in, in, in for this job, particular job, not the whole project, for this particular job, if you have to put it in two sentences and think of me like a child, what would you want to achieve? And they'll tell you. And, and the reason behind this, and also paraphrase this, tell them, you tell me what you want to achieve and I'll think of it as a tech challenge and give you feedback. Okay, we could do it like this. We could do it like that. We could do it like this. These are the benefits for each choice. These are the cost analysis. Uh, we can further discuss it, go into depth and together we can pick the best outcome for your company, for your product, for, yeah. for your uh, desire. And also another thing about meeting people halfway, what you said about... Um, putting yourself in your uh, manager's shoes. Recently, I had, uh, we had an interview with um, 
with a CTO from another company. Uh, the two founders did something very interesting in that company. Every, um, uh, the CEO uh, brought in by the two founders, every Monday he would uh, uh, send a company-wide email because they had offices in San Francisco, London, all over the earth. And which uh, basically it was an outline of what he did the past week and what he yeah. wants to achieve this week. Uh, he said it that he offers transparency, but more than that, it offers a clear-cut company-wide goal. And I guess that's one of the main reasons that two months ago they had the biggest software IPO in history. Huge wow. company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically the, the CEO did like a stand up for all the companies detailing exactly what he did during a week. Because usually mm -hmm. that's something that most of juniors, seniors, the people doing working on the product level, they don't get to see, they look at everybody management basically in their offices or, or in the in the bullpen with them but it looks like they're not doing that much <laughs> easy life yeah it looks like the easy life until you step on the other side and realize oh my god there's more yeah. work here it's more complex than yeah <laughs> like your like your friend the senior developer yeah, like yeah. same yeah. situation yes and yeah. that's why it's important to show the company like especially the 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 C-suite, the, the leadership of the company should show, it's a good, a good practice to show like what they're working on, what they're doing, what goals they're trying to achieve, uh, what is happening. Yeah. Failures are also good because it shows that they're human. And uh, uh, so people will be, they're also going to step up and come with solutions. You'll be yeah. surprised. People, you will never think about asking them for, uh, for your, their opinion to solve a problem. Uh, if you send an email or you um, company-wide communicate and they find out about it, they might come to you and offer you like really great insight. Yeah, they might surprise you. Absolutely. It, uh, for me, transparency is really important. And uh, it's, it's for, for example, you know, we, we have a developer and, and like John, and we give John tasks. And, and like his first task is to make a calculator for prime numbers, right? His second task is to calculate a vector for something. His third task is to get a very, very, very efficient communication, right? With very low bandwidth. And at some point, this guy will come to, to us and say, guys, why are you asking me to do this? He's like, just, just install Skype or, or, or we can use a higher bandwidth protocol. I'm working on this. And then you tell him, well, actually, you know what? We're developing software to, to land a rover on Mars. Now this is, you know, this is the exciting part. If, if, if we have told John, look, you're gonna work on a, on, on a software product that will help land a rover on Mars, he will be much more excited and dedicated, you know, to, to work on these challenges, even if, even if they're boring, you know, at some point, because he knows the picture and he knows what at stake. So I, I completely agree with you. Transparency is really, really important. And also this is, uh, this is the trick. I mean, a, a good manager will try to give all the necessary information to, to his or her people, right? Because yeah. of course, managers, they cannot share everything, right? And, and, and also what, what I've uh, 
what I've been seeing in, in, in my experience is that sometimes I don't want to share something, not because it's confidential, right? But because it might change very rapidly, right? For example, let's say that we're discussing a new project, right? And, and, and there are four options, right? And, and you know, the project will start in a month. And right now we're discussing, discussing option A, right? Whether it's the team size, whether it's the platform, whether it's technology, it doesn't matter, it's option A. And, you know, I can go to my people and I say, look, you, we, we're going to do in one month, you know, something with option A, right? And get excited, you know, they start learning about this. But then things are very dynamic. I mean, the more you go on the top, the more dynamic things get, right? I mean, things change every minute, literally, right? So, and, and then you can hop to option B. Then as a manager, you can go, you need to go to the people and say, look, actually, we're going to use option B, right? And in, and in a week time, you, you might hop to option C, and then you need to go to the people and say, look, you know, we're going to use option C. And, and they start to worry because they're not, they're not in that position. They, they don't know how dynamic, you know, decisions have, um, have been made, you know, on, on, on executive level, right? So a good manager needs, needs to shield this from, from the people. So it's like, make a summary, right? And, and just tell everything you can to your people without stressing them too much, right? So yeah. uh, and, and, tell them and, everything and this... that's good and keep all the bad for yourself. I was <laughs> I was gonna mainly I was gonna add something specifically for um, for what you just said. Um, and this is for everybody listening. Uh, when you hear the word transparency and say we're transparent in this business, it's not transparency of everything you do, it's transparency of intent. Okay, mm -hmm. because Absolutely. you have two scenarios, two CEOs. The first CEO sends the company-wide email and says, well, I got uh, up at around uh, 10. Then I uh, went and played tennis for two hours. And then I had the business lunch. And then I came into the company and checked my emails. And then mm -hmm. I gave a speech and then left home. Okay, that's the first uh, uh, CEO. The second CEO did exactly the same thing, but changed the words. He said, okay, I played tennis with a venture capitalist for two hours, one-on-one, mm -hmm. -on -one, just the two of us. And then I had a private lunch with uh, angel investors. And then I came back to the company to speak with my tech staff to see exactly the direction. So they both did the exact same thing and they both were transparent, but one was transparent with what he did and the other was transparent with what he wanted to achieve for the things that he did. You don't need to explain the mechanics of, uh, of your day-to-day -day life because only people who, who know what it means to be a manager and a business owner will, will get those. Only they will understand. So be transparent with the intent, make it, uh, make it accessible to, to everyday people. Yep. Now we have to move on to the, to the, the thing that gets me the most excited. <laughs> What is the biggest leadership failure that you've had the unfortunate experience of witnessing? <laughs> so uh, I was fortunate not to witness, uh, you know, many, uh, many uh, failures. Uh, but as, as, as a summary from, from what I've seen is like, like people go, got promoted to, to a management position, whether it's a TL, or, or, or something else. And, you know, they, they become new people, 
right, from day one. <clears throat> and and it, it doesn't work like this, right? It, if you're promoted, you're promoted because of yourself. You cannot change your attitude 100, 180 degrees, right? Because you lose the values that uh, you've been promoted for, right? So, so I, I've seen managers that like, they were very uh, close friends with, uh, with, with their teams. And once they get promoted, you know, they, they build a wall between them and their team. And also the, the second thing that uh, I've witnessed is, um, you know, people doing uh, micromanagement, right? It's like, uh, for example, I, I, I see some, some that developer that's always complaining why his boss is doing micromanagement. At some point, this developer gets promoted as a TL and he starts doing micromanagement. Exactly. Right? It's like it's it's like his most important thing is to ask, you know, every hour, you know, what are you doing? You know, or or, or how is it going? Or, you know, do you have any question? How can I help you? And so so these are the two examples that I can give. You know, people that you know change completely or, or just you know create a face, a completely different face when they become managers, and also people that are doing a lot of micromanagement and uh, you know that, that's a way of showing their insecurities and uh, it's really uh, it's really bad for the team right i mean micromanagement well one of the one of the worst actually, things that can happen actually i think this happens and it's just dawned on me because when you promote a person to be a manager you don't have a discussion with that person how do you see management? How would you manage a team? Because people would, when they think about management, they have preconceived notions about how to be a manager and how you should do it and everything. And it's different than how they behave and being in production because they don't feel this. I'm not a manager, so I don't have to behave as a manager. Uh, mm -hmm. And lot, lots of people view management as you have to be in your office and you're like on a higher tier now. Be, and you have to show that. And uh, usually I found that people got stressed, start doing a lot of micromanagement when they see they're not getting results because they secluded themselves in an ivory tower. Mm -hmm. And now they're getting like bad reviews from the, the people even higher up than themselves. And they're like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my management, <laughs> management position. Uh, the only way I can keep on, keep keep it close and the key point is to get results and how can i get results is by breathing down the necks of uh, of my former colleagues and make sure that they get the job done and putting all the pressure on them and, and it's and it's due to this and that's the reason we started this show because there is this misconception about how to be a manager uh, in, in, uh, among tech people, they see they see management and how to behave as a manager in such a bad light and with poor results at the end. They don't realize, as you said, like if you keep doing what you were doing before, when you got promoted as a manager, you would be way ahead. Keep close uh, and be friends with uh, your colleagues, talk with them, help them out. Because that's why you got promoted. You got promoted Absolutely. because you were doing management stuff before having the title. So just Absolutely. keep doing what you were doing. Yes, exactly. but since we're we're talking about uh, tips and tricks for people to 
to promote better managers. And I saw this in practice. I saw a solution for exactly this problem. I'm not saying it's the best solution, but at least it's a solution. I have a friend that recently was uh, was uh, promoted in a managerial position for a very big company. I won't say the company name, but they sell books online. That's what they're famous for. <laughs> and um, basically what they did, and he told me, it's, it's, he, he noticed this kind of late. What they do is when, when they want to promote somebody new, they, they make the position available, publicize it inside, internally and externally, but they prefer internal people. Uh, people who would uh, want to accede to that position apply for it. They have one-on-ones and all that jazz. That's the technical part. That's not important. The sneaky part is that they keep, uh, they change nothing in regards to the contract they have with the person. They just start giving him more and more responsibilities, more and more towards what you, and keep growing him on a monthly basis. They do not give him the title. They do not give him a new office. They, They don't even increase the pay. So they're basically exactly the same person, but with more and more responsibility. If they can handle the responsibility, they might not like it, they might not enjoy it, they might not uh, keep up with all the increasing uh, responsibilities, or they might start doing micromanagement, they won't get promoted. But when they get promoted, they have experience. Once they have the title, they actually have experience doing the work they are now newly assigned for. Exactly. And also, also, it does another tricky thing, but shh, don't share it with anyone. This is just for business owners. Um, it decreases the chances of your, of your people leaving too fast in other companies. So for, in his case, it took more than one year of doing actual managerial work before he got promoted. So you get the, the endeavors of a manager without mm-hmm. having to worry that they'll leave. Once they get promoted, even if they might seem, well, it's not technically exactly for me, but I can do the job, they will stick to it at least for one or two or three more years. So you will do work in promoting them and teaching them, and you will get back return value without having to worry about them leaving too fast. Because they had to work for it. They had to work for it. I can tell you why they don't increase the salary initially because uh, of what you said. So what happens, you, you promote someone as, as a TO and you, you increase his or her salary, but that person is not performing. So it's easier to say, oh, you know, okay, we'll make you a senior developer because we need you a lot in that area of expertise, right? So we can utilize you better as a developer rather than TO. So you haven't failed, right? But what do you do with the salary? <laughs> do you decrease it? I mean, once you increase the salary, that's it. You it's very it hard. Yeah. Exactly. It's very hard to decrease it. So this is the reason, I guess, one of the reasons why, why they are doing it uh, that way. And another is, as you said, it's just budget. It's like gives you one year free of, uh, yeah, of, that's uh, of, of a TO position. It's, it, it's always give, give and take, right? It, just, it should be a two-way street, right? I mean, the company is helping the employee to uh, grow. But on the other side, uh, you know, the employee is helping the company as well, right? Because you, yeah. you need someone in, in that position. And uh, of course, companies always prefer to, to, you know, to promote someone internally because they trust that person 
uh, you know, they, they know it. there is a saying that, you know, I prefer to choose someone based on what negative qualities I know about this person uh, rather than, than the positives, right? Sometimes people don't like surprises and they want to know what are the negative qualities of a person uh, and then promote that person to the position because they know what to expect, right? Because if, if, if you know only the positives of, the, of, of a person, right? For example, he's, uh, he or she is like uh, uh, working long hours, very dedicated and etc. But you don't know that person very well, you could be surprised, right? You could be going into a minefield. That person can easily burn out, for example, or can be stressed, or you know, there's a lot of things that can, uh, unknowns. So uh, a manager prefers to, to know his people. And this is one of the reasons why internal promotions are, are, are you know, so sweet spot. Or, uh, they are. They are. This what, but leadership a leadership has to know how to manage them, because there there you can create a whole bunch of problems internally. It's way easier to bring somebody from externally, and place them. And if they doesn't work, they leave the company, and that's that. And it's seen mm -hmm. as a failure only on the leadership side, and it's okay. But if you promote somebody from internal, put them in, and then. Uh, because of envy and stuff like that. And somebody else was expected to have to get the position and they have more clout and they're closer friends with the people in, on their team. Uh, it can turn into something way worse if you don't have the discussions with everybody that's going to be under mm -hmm. them. Like we, we were thinking about promoting uh, Jim, for example. What do you think? Would he be a good manager? What? And have like, you have to be able to to get a consensus inside the company that yes, we should promote him. It's not, it doesn't come like top down, it should come bottom up the promotion basically. Yeah. If not, it would fail and you actually lose because that person that will not stay probably in the company if you have, you have to demote him because he sees that he's not really wanted by his colleagues and he cannot go back. And you actually lose a good performer by doing a, a promotion without doing all the legwork leg to ensure that it's going to stick. And this is another Absolutely. thing that that is solved when you stretch out the 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 time period to promote the person and keep giving them uh, uh, responsibilities. Because if they are more responsible for the work being done by the people around them, slowly and slowly rising, anybody has any complaints about it, they can complain. Okay, and uh, you ask them, for example, Bob, what's your problem with Jim doing that? Oh, he, you're giving him a managerial role. I don't think he's good. I'm better. He says, okay, Bob, I'll give you a separate team. Go for it. And in the end, you, you can either have two good managers, one good managerial choice, or no manager. <laughs> but you won't have any any complaints like, yes, uh, like Andre said. And you can bring somebody from, from the outside in the situation. So make it seem, it's, it doesn't seem sudden. The promotion, yeah. the responsibilities. It's another another way, but you know it's harder. It, it the manager needs to do to to, to put uh, more, you know, more work is to know very well your team, and I think that's well, that's you one. You have to know it if you're a leader. The, yeah, that would be my advice: is to 
to, to try to understand and know very well your team. And when you know your team, you know which people want to be leaders at the moment. Because it's, uh, if you have like 10 people team, it's not like all these 10 people want to be TLs at this specific time, point in time, right? So usually you have one or two, maybe three people that, that they want to be TLs. And then just you, you need to have regular conversations with them, you know, one-on-ones and ask them, you know, do you want to, you know, develop yourself more in like a line manager or like technical lead because, you know, there is a difference between uh, team lead and technical lead and some people don't understand it. So they think that they, 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 they want to do, they want to be TLs, but actually they want to do uh, technical uh, management. Technology. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so it's really important to know your team. And then once you have this open position, to you know, as you said, to to have an open discussion and 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 to steer the right guys to the to to that position and and for example, if, if you have two people that the two people are really competing about this position and if 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 you think that you know if you choose let's say John that uh, let's say uh, Ivan will will suffer and and he will leave the company right then what what you can do is have separate discussions with, with both of them, explain them, okay, you know, this is the position, these are the requirements, you know, um, how can you help us? How can you help the team? And then you can just bring them together, right? In one discussion and, you know, make them talk, right? It's like, for example, uh, who would you prefer to be on, on that position? Well, is it rather you? or your colleague, right? And sometimes you'll be surprised because people will say, oh, you know, my colleague, he has so much more experience. Maybe, you know, I learned from him and yeah. then I get promoted for another team, right? It's, I just don't like very aggressive, competitive environments, right? It's, it, 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 it's not my style and I don't promote it because I think that people should, should feel safe at work, right? You, you don't want to go to work and you know, think constantly if someone will backstab you or if someone will, you know, take your position or take your role and etc. What you want to do is really create a good environment that everyone feels safe and appreciated for what they're doing and for who they are. And basically, when you when you go to this dilemma, um, really what will help you will be the company culture because company it's very hard to create a company culture but once you're able to grow a good company culture it will work for you and it will be a safe net for all these coming issues because if your company culture is like to to create to 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 promote you know discussion and and people helping each other and spending more time you know to to help your colleagues to do his or her tasks then when you come to this decision and when you have two people competing for one position because of the company culture, first, they wouldn't compete aggressively. And second, when you have open discussion between them and say, okay, guys, just tell me, you know, who from, from you should uh, take this position and why? They might surprise you. I mean, they might say, fine, I think 
John deserves it more at this point, or he needs it more, right? It, it might be he has a newborn or he has, you know, some expenses. People will surprise you when, when you have, a, you know, a safe family environment, people really, you know, care for each other. And uh, yeah. they know that, okay, John will take this TL position, but my manager right now knows that I want to be a TL eventually. And he or she will lose me if, if I don't get promoted. And because I'm in this safe environment, I know that as soon as there is another open position, I'll be the man for it, right? So this is another way exactly. of... Uh, no, and that's something that most people that get promoted to management don't expect and they're a little shocked is like all the social financing you have to do uh, and you have to basically I advise anybody that wants to get into a managerial role get at least 10 books go to like a library on psychology human psychology whatever appeals to you just get them read them uh, and then shoot and you have to realize that especially as a technical person it's going to be like a big leap because you're, mm -hmm. you're used to working with technical things. stuff that with things rather they than work. People. You can make them work uh, if it has You to can be. coerce them <laughs> yes. to work. I you will can. force this You can coerce them to work and then you start working with people who you cannot coerce. You're going to find out really fast that uh, you're going to get really bad results if you try to coerce yeah. anyone. <laughs> the, the more you try, the worse it becomes. Yeah. It's amazing that you, you reminded me that because um, I remember a another company who I think solved that exact problem and a couple more, they had very good job descriptions of every each and every role in the company and each and every new role that they created. Everything is, this is like TL, team lead, does this, 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 experience required, what mm -hmm. is preferred, a very objective outlook without looking like one of those... Uh, crazy adverts and like we want mm -hmm. 16 years experience and PhD, I mean, down to earth uh, explanation. It solved two things. One, it helped people understand what they're looking to, where they're looking to advance. And two, it helped people understand what everybody around them is doing. In case they need something, they know exactly which person they need to speak to, to get the their problem solved, which goes back to, to transparency which creates also company-wide values and goals but since you've been speaking about uh, philosophizing, philosophizing <laughs> what is your leadership philosophy um so you know the, there's a lot i can say and, and and probably many of the things that i can say someone already said them right and um, i i think what i can say is, uh, you know, be persistent. Uh, that, that, that's really important. You know, sometimes you need to be stubborn, but in a good way, right? With, with eyes wide open. Uh, but you need to be persistent, right? Because uh, if, uh, because, you know, I, I see people that get frustrated with when things don't go as planned, right? Or when there are challenges. And I always try to tell them, look, be happy, be grateful, grateful that there are challenges because if they weren't challenges, nobody would, would want your position. I mean, yeah, you, you wouldn't be you here, wouldn't right? be in the position. You wouldn't exactly. be needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you are a manager, you are a leader because you, 
you know, we need your expertise to solve these challenges. If, if there weren't any challenges, <laughs> we'll no go without you. Right. So, so be persistent. And that's really important. And um, also, you know, I like to plan a lot, right? Uh, but not over plan. And my advice would be have a plan. And, you know, the, the caveat here is always be ready for a change and be flexible, right? It's good to have a plan, but, you know, things change, right? And, 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 and we need to adapt. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, business is very dynamic. The higher you go, the more dynamic you see. So be prepared for a change. Have a very steady plan in your head, you know, step A, B, C, one, two, three, and et cetera. But be ready for a change, embrace a change. It might be something better, right? Because I see a lot of people that get frustrated that something didn't, um, you know, went according to the plan. Yeah. And, and, and they lose time to frustrate themselves, right? In, 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 instead of, you know, losing this precious time, just think about how you can move on. Okay, something bad happened or something unexpected. It's done, right? Now think about how you can change it, how you can turn around it, and how you can go back in your original plan. Or, you know, you might create a new plan that's, uh, that's even better, you know, having the input data that you have at the moment, right? You, you, you might think of something better. So plan, it's really important. And I think one of the, one of the topics that I, I don't see a lot uh, you know, when, when people comment about leadership, uh, usually people say you need to be persistent. You need to, you know, get up early at, at 5 a.m. This is how super performant people do and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I heard but, that one too. but I mean, if you write in YouTube, you know, how to become a, a leadership, I'm sure that you, you find these inspirational videos, you know, you, you find someone talking about and most of the things make sense, right? They make sense, but it's really hard to, uh, make them in real life. Uh, but what I don't see is uh, it's like don't compromise on your principles. I think this is oh, really yes. important. This is really important for me as well. It's like whatever you do, you have your core principles. Don't compromise on them, right? Because once you make the first compromise, then, you know, the floodgates are open. And uh, I think then you start to lose yourself. And uh, this is what I, what I can say. These are my two cents. Like, uh, don't compromise your principles and, um, you know, always try to work around and make decisions that are aligned with your principles. Because there's a lot of ways you can do something, right? And sometimes, I'm tempted to say most of the times, but let's uh -huh. just say sometimes uh, the easiest way is not the right way, right? Or sometimes because your manager above you is is is, is saying or forcing you to do something, it's 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 not you know the the optimal way, you know, and 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 sometimes your manager doesn't have all the data that you have, right? So if you get asked to do something that you don't feel that's right. Uh, maybe it's because your, your manager doesn't have all the picture. So 
as, uh, as a leader, your objective is to talk to your manager. It could be C-level, board, you know, director, whatever, and to make understand why you are not comfortable doing something. And you know, most of the times they'll, they'll understand and then um, you do it in a way that you know, works for your principles. So this is what I can, uh, this is what I, I can know. say. And, and, and also something um, about all these uh, books about uh, leadership and all the, these videos, they're great. And people should read them, people should listen to them, people should listen to your podcast because it's, you know, you, you hear other, other, other uh, people's stories. But we should not forget that there is a secret ingredient, right? I mean, you cannot replicate someone's success just yes. by yes. doing all the steps that they have mentioned in their book or that they have uh, done in the interview and accept and accept for. Because there's always something, it might be small or big, that's missing and you don't know it, right? Yeah. Oh, so so yeah. it's like making a soup. For example, I tell you, okay, put potatoes, put, uh, you know, uh, tomatoes and etc etc but I don't tell you to put salt maybe I forget or maybe there's not no time to tell you to put salt right and then you have something that you that you don't like uh, and mm -hmm. also something else is that you know most of the times I would say almost always people get interviewed when they achieve something right for example right now if you interview Jeff Bezos you know and I, I hope you get the opportunity you know I wish you to <laughs> To, to have a time with him or, or with Tim Cook or, or, or some other, you know, really inspirational leaders, you will, you will learn about their past, about their history. They will tell you what worked 10 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago, right? No longer you are not going to learn what will work in the next five years, right? Because it hasn't been proven yet, right? Most of the times people interview something or, or they listen to someone that has already been successful. But what we, what we miss is that that person has been using this algorithm, right? 10 years ago. If you use the same algorithm at the moment, you might fail completely because it's a completely different uh, market, right? So my advice would be, yes, listen to these books and uh, I mean, listen to these interviews and uh, read these books but don't try to make everything by the book. Just extrapolate, you know, think about it, reflect about it, and, and make, make things that make sense in your business, in your domain, and most importantly, in your time, right? Because if Jeff Bezos fails with a project, right, it's not a big deal, yeah. he'll lose several <laughs> million dollars and then he'll get another project right i mean google yeah. failed with their uh what was it the facebook alternative uh google no. not pages but uh, i don't remember circles of course it was like called circles, yeah, circles. google circles yeah. then they rebranded and they failed right but because they're google you know they, they just moved to another project imagine if this was your only project right and you fail so and that, that, that's at my... that level and cost. Oh, but most companies, if you look with all the CEOs and everybody, most of the projects and most of the companies they acquired that were successful and they acquired, they fail afterwards. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. it, usually their core goes on because it's built on 
solid principles and market match and they're so big that they cannot fail anymore. Uh, but uh, when they try to venture out into new stuff uh, of all the leadership, all the experience, everything, uh, they have the same rate of success that uh, the rest of the mere mortals to say have Absolutely. basically. Yeah, even a company as big as Google, as far and I'm not particularly interested in in in, in them as an example because they're that big. They're like a conglomerate when it comes to tech. But as far as I can see, they're only making money out of four business ventures. So you have Google, yep. Google AdSense advertising under Google, Main Plus. You have YouTube, which they acquired and it grew exponentially. They got in on it at the right time. They had the money mm-hmm. and they had the vision. They're making money with Google Fiber because every internet provider can make money. It's, it's, it's The more years mm-hmm. pass, the more money you can make with it. And uh, cloud solutions. I don't know if of any other part of the company that really brings in money, honestly. Absolutely. To keep the lights up. I think 80% is from ads. Yeah, Yeah. it's ads. It's ads based. That's that's their main revenue. It's not, and that's what they got like when they started growing. It's not, they haven't before, if if it was like the idea of a leader being so, as mostly drug protein, like, so having such deep insights and seeing the markets and everything and the future and the future yes <laughs> uh, they would be building on that and they would become like juggernauts spanning the globe and, and basically globbing up if you have the foresight to see how it goes yeah, yeah, but it's, it's 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 guesswork and yeah <clears throat> just like you said it before you cannot reverse engineer success it doesn't work as that's really important success it's like the truth is just it's just one thing. Yeah. Failure, on the other hand, you can always <laughs> you can always reverse engineer failure. I don't care. It was fifty years ago. It's the yeah. same true today as it was a hundred years ago. That's so true. That's so today. true. Yeah, that's why yeah, we absolutely. have the failure question. That's what that's what the one we consider the most important. important. It's not the success one. It's the failure it's one. It's the failure one because absolutely. failures you can learn from them and avoid them. Yeah, absolutely. Then, Nedialko, uh, when it comes to aspiring leaders, what are the top three leadership tips you would have for them? So, so the, the for, and again, you know, there are a lot, and, and you know, people can, can talk a lot. But, you know, my top leadership uh, qualities would be like uh, be yourself. I think this is the most important thing, you know, be yourself, don't be someone else. Because everyone is unique, right? You are unique and, and you are who you are. So uh, it, it's not going to work if when you are a leader, you are someone. And, you are, and when you're home or you're with, with friends, you, you are someone else, right? It, it's not going to work because you are a leader 24-7, right? And, and, and I've seen examples uh, of people like, they've been put in like in big companies right they are in these positions because maybe because they grew because of the time they spent on the position or or for some qualities um and and they're leaders there because of their title right but if if, if you look at them you know on on a team building or if, if if you look at them in the store or if you have a situation on the street you know they wouldn't lead right 
So, and, 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 and this is really important, right? If you are a leader, you are 24 seven. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm a leader, leader at work. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, and then you just, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm very shy. If I see someone falling on the street, I, I, I won't help them. Or if, if, if I can prevent an accident, I wouldn't do it because, you know, I'm just, uh, it's yes. be yourself, right? Because th this is what people will, will value. And, you know, it's so much easier, you know, because if you're someone else, think about it. You need to remember what you're saying. You know, you need to remember how to behave. And this takes your your CPU time, right? Your your memory. I mean, <laughs> instead of focusing on the exhausting. actual problems, right? You just focus on how to be someone else. And, uh, and the problem is that the more you try to be someone else, the more you become that person, right? And it, it doesn't end well most of the times. So, and it's very interesting when you do team buildings, right? In team buildings, you can see the, you know, the, the actual leaders because they lead in the team building, right? Because in, in a team building exercise, you don't have titles, you know? Uh, the CEO could be just Bob, right? And, and, huh. and he, he's working side by side of you. And uh, he cannot tell you, oh, you know, please do that. You know, he, he, he needs to find another way to persuade you to do a task because he's, he's not your CEO at the moment. He's just a random person uh, in, in that team building exercise. So, so team buildings are very important. And I would say for leaders, it's like uh, making the good games, you know, the team buildings, not at the moment, but, you know, at some point in, in the time to, to look at your natural leaders, right? Because... People that, that lead on, on, on the field outside work, they'll probably do fine uh, at work as well. So first one, I'm sorry to repeat it so much, but for me, it's really important. Be yourself, right? You are unique. Uh, and if you are promoted to that position, obviously people look at you and they see value, right? So yes. keep being yourself and people will appreciate it. There's so many fake fake news, fake videos, fake stuff on, on the internet and in real life, right? You know, yeah, being yourself, it's becoming like, uh, like trendy, like being unique. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's not very common for, for someone to be, to be themselves, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that's number one, and it's hard. And again, it comes on, you know, don't compromise your principles. Uh, it's really hard. You know, there, there is a story and, and it's, it's a very good story. It's, uh, there is a man, uh, like a young man, and uh, he sees all these politicians that are really on the top floor. And, you know, they don't listen to the people. They don't see the people. They don't do what's best for the people. So he's very, you know, upset. And he's like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to become a politician. And, you know, I'll show them, you know, and I'll help, uh, I'll help the country. And he starts, you know, climbing through the, through the floors. You know, there is a ladder. And, and it's called Story for the Ladder. And on each floor, there is the devil. And the devil is like, okay, I'm not going to let you go to the next floor unless you sacrifice your eyes, for example. And you say, okay, you know, 
uh, I will I'll sacrifice my eyes, but I'll still have my ears and I need to go to the top floor, right? So I'll do it, let's sacrifice it, you know, I'm, it's really important for me to go upstairs and show these guys how you can do it. And then on the next floor, uh, it's, it's almost the last floor, on the next floor, the devil says, okay, I need to take your ears, right? I mean, I, you become deaf, right? But this is the price you pay to go to the next floor. And you say, oh, you know, I'm close. So I'll still, I'll still have my soul. Right? Yeah. So you go to the last floor and you're so close. You know, you hear these people screaming and shout. Oh, sorry, you don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. But, 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 <laughs> but you imagine, you know, the, these people on, on the top floor. And you say, you know, once I'm there, I'm going to change him. And on the last, on the last uh, stairs, on the last floor, the devil says, okay, now I need your soul. And you're like, I'm so close, right? I'm so close. I need to do it, right? And you give your soul and you become like others on the top floor. Like you cannot hear the people because the devil has taken your ears. You cannot see the people and people's problem because the devil has, you know, taken your, your, your sight, your vision. And, you, you know, you don't have your soul. You don't have your heart. I mean, of, of course, that's... But it's that's interesting story, as a politician, you keep your tongue. You can still talk. Ah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so you know, it's... Um, and I think that's, that's the real life. Like, you, you start small. Of course, you're not sacrificing your, your ears or your eyes, but you start small, and you start small, you don't see it. And you keep sacrifice, sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing. And at, at some point, you know, you're a different person. Right? So, it, uh... so that's... It amazes me that uh, you've been to Romania. <laughs> now, make sure that when you wake up in the morning, when you look in the mirror, you still recognize the person looking back Absolutely. at you. Because if you have difficulties with that, you're failing. First and foremost, you're failing yourself. And if you fail yourself, of course, you're going to fail other people. Because who better to take care of yourself than yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, you are, you know... It's like another thing is, you know, be, be humble because even if you're, you know, a very good manager, if you are the, even if you're the best manager, there's always someone better than you, right? Oh, so yeah. be humble. You know, the, the world is a, is, is, is a big place. There's always someone better than you. So be humble and always try to self-reflect on yourself. How can you improve? This is really important. Whether you're a developer, whether you're a junior developer, regular, senior, TL, executive, always think about this and you'll get better, right? You always get better. If you always reflect on how you can get better and improve and you know assess the data that you have, what have you done right, what have you done wrong, you know, you get better for sure because I've seen leaders that you know they just forget their, their their selves. It's like they've been so successful that they think that they cannot fail. Yeah. And sometimes they do stupid, Hubris. really stupid uh, stuff that you know every other person will say, "Oh, this is just plain stupid. Why do you why do you think you're gonna succeed?" You and see it in sports. You see it everywhere. When everywhere. you start believing your own PR, yeah, uh, that, that's what <laughs> oh, starts the, losing. The Americans that's have tricky. a saying for that. It's called uh, uh, "never drink uh, your own Kool-Aid." <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And the last, uh, the last advice is like, I don't see it 
I don't see people talk about it uh, much, but it's like value your time. And in a way, a lot of people are saying, yes, value your time and uh, how you spend your time. But I, I want to take it through another, like another vision. It's like, like think about it. The only thing that you cannot get more is your time. You can earn more money. You can earn double, triple, 10 times, 100 times, X times more money, right? You can buy whatever you like if you have the opportunity, right? But even if you are the richest person on the earth, at least to my knowledge, you cannot buy time, right? You cannot go, you, you, at the moment, you cannot go back in time or you cannot have double the time, right? So you are here and you need to value your time. And I've, I've, I've read books, I, I've seen people that are really obsessed about their time. Like you, you need to be this very productive machine that like you, 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 you wake up at 6 a.m. You have like your schedule is full, like to, to 8 p.m. In, in, in the evening, right? And, and you're so productive, you're doing so much time so much work but at the end of the day uh, you actually uh, it's not it's not only work right it's your personal life you you need to balance it uh, when you're like 40 50 and when you're reflecting back don't feel sorry that you've lost your golden years so to say and so don't just, wait until 40 50 try to do a review like quarterly look at what did i do this quarter did i enjoy it this quarter of the year or monthly don't don't wait until you're 60 to say like oh my god i've wasted my life it's too late but then. it's a good exercise so what you can do is like you imagine that you are 60 years old oh. and would you be happy with what you're doing at the moment you know with all the memories that you have created things because i don't think that people really think about time as, as a commodity. And I think that's intentional. Everyone is bombarding us with, with uh, you know, money and, and objects and stuff that they wanna buy, they want us to buy, right? Uh, but it, for example, just a quick example, it's like uh, you work one month and you get a salary. And with this salary, you can uh, you can buy two things. Just to let just simplify it and say you, you buy two things. Make it worth, right? Don't buy something stupid because this is your time. It's not your money. It's your time you have spent. You have spent one month, yeah. So so buy something or better don't buy anything. Just just save and invest. But <laughs> if you have to buy something, buy something that you know, re re reflects on your, on your time that you have spent to earn the money because money, it, it's an investment of, of something that you've spent time on. Like we work right now, we get money and with this money, we'll buy something in the future. So it's, a, it's, an, it, it's an investment. And uh, I, I think this is the most important uh, advice that I can share. It's like, it, it, it's hard. I'm not a master of it, but it's like, we should always try to value our time. And 
not through the money prism, like for example, <laughs> you know, I earn X amount of money. So every minute of mine is like uh, a golden mine. No, but for example, if you can change someone's life or impact someone's life with one or two hours discussion, then just do it, right? You, you are yeah. changing someone's life or, or if you can, you know, make an impact just spend this time, invest this time. But if you're doing something that doesn't impact or you don't see any impact or the impact is lower than you expected, then then don't waste your time because you cannot go back. If you buy a shitty car, you can always return that car and buy something better, right? You cannot do that with time. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one thing that I like about being a good leader and getting better at leadership and stepping into a management position because you, you get the management, management position because there are problems and it takes a lot of time to solve them. But if you're a good leader, you're going to find out in a couple of months or a year and something, you're going to be mostly not having that much stuff to do. You'll have a lot of time if you solve the problems and get the people to work and cooperate and do actually what you have to do as a leader. You're going to find that it becomes really boring and some of uh, some somebody maybe in the upper management will think like why do we have him as a as a manager there because he doesn't do anything all day and it would be really stupid to fire him because he solves stuff maybe promote Absolutely. him <laughs> uh, but you get if you're efficient as a leader you get a lot of time yeah <laughs> also i wanted to to add this uh, like a small thing uh, as a manager never put yourself in the position to take your people's time away. You mentioned like team building. Uh, It's it's harder for smaller companies, but for bigger companies, if you want to organize stuff, do it on company time. Do not do it on the people's free time. Okay. Because then it becomes a job uh, uh, overtime, OT job rather (laughs) than, than working towards your situation. And I've heard examples from, from some companies that had great success with this. They were put in situations in which everybody finished ahead of schedule. And so management said, oh, all the work is done. Take half a day off this Friday. You finished in the morning, everything, go home, spend time with your family. Don't worry about it. We'll see each other on Monday. Yeah, and that works. That improves, makes people want to be efficient and effective. I bet bet this is a product company, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know it's hard to do it when when you when you get paid by the hour, especially when if you do um, outsourcing, it's 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 sometimes harder to do it. But still, uh, try not to 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 keep. It tends to punish uh, the efficient people. Because they look at it this way. If I can finish my job in four hours and I, st- I still have to spend four more hours, I'll either get more work, which I might not feel like it, or underappreciated. So why bother? I'll just drag it on as, as much as possible. And I saw, I've seen and heard a lot of developers do this. When they start, they intentionally underperform for the first couple of months. So when the, their tasks come in, uh, they, they are tasks that they can handle no problems. No, you know, I wouldn't recommend this. Uh, I've, I've also no. seen this, but no. it's like you, you are uh, <clears throat> basically shooting yourself in the foot or, 
or maybe in the head, <laughs> uh, because uh, if your manager is, by the way, when 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 you mentioned that um, you know to read a lot of uh, psychology books and you know books about leadership, another way, and. Not no, only the psychology, just I know, know interpersonal exactly. exchanges yes, and communication. Exactly. But another way is just find a very good manager to work oh, yes. with. So I, I think this is the most uh, easier and, and fast route. So even if it you're is, under but they're not everywhere you cannot find yeah exactly so <laughs> you need to make sacrifices so sometimes it's, it's a lower pay right yes. uh but it's an investment right just always look at it as an investment because what you learn from from that person would be priceless and um, you know a good manager will uh, will identify you as a developer and if you are overperforming then you get promoted, right? If if you are in the company of uh, of good managers, and and and, and this yes. is why leadership is important because if, if you are like um, a regular manager, you know that's that's working from from nine to six in, in his or her office and not you know talking with the people and, and not getting uh, information about what what they're doing and, and what their problems are, then of course people will just uh, overestimate. And they will then not work on their fullest capacity. But if you inspire these people, right, I can guarantee you that almost everyone, there's always exceptions, <laughs> but, you know, almost everyone. And these are the people you would like to keep, right? These are the people that you really like to keep in your team. So they will overperform. And when you reward them, they will keep overperforming. Now, the problem is, uh, you don't want to burn them out. Burn so, them out, so yes. You, you need to find the balance where, you know, you give them new challenges, but still you, you, uh, you make them, you know, take their time and uh, relax from, from time to time so they, they don't uh, burn out. But, but this is a, it's actually a really interesting challenge. Uh, and, and, and my advice is, you know, uh, give the people the bigger picture. Because again, if, if we go to my example about this developer, John, that, that's doing the, the Mars software, you know, for, for Mars landing, if you don't tell him that he's working on, on the rover and what's at stake, he'll say, oh, you know, a prime number calculator, that's so boring, you know, I'm just gonna say 10 days, I'll do it in five <laughs> days, but I'll, I'll say it in 10 days. Or, oh, this vector, you know, calculator, it's, it's boring, you know, but if he knows, man, we should land on Mars in one year time. This is the deadline. You know, there's a lot of stake. I, my name would be on that software, right? I'm, I will be proud to be, you know, a, a developer for that architecture and, and for that program. Then I'm sure, I, you know, I'll do my best to make it, to make it faster, to make it better, yeah, to think about all the angles. This will motivate him not to be the, the guy in the team that... Uh crashed the rocket because he forgot to turn imperial Absolutely. metric into imperial because that and happened this is a real example i know you're talking about it yeah. so yeah, but unfortunately not all projects are sexy so you as a as a manager have to make them sexy and show them Absolutely. what the importance and so 
usually have to work to, to increase the value of the project. Usually you don't have it handed to you on a silver platter like here, we're gonna land on, on, on Mars and we're working on the software. Oh, that's cool. It's like uh, most of them are, we're making a new CRM. We're working on, <laughs> on bank software. Yeah. Ah, that sounds boring. No, we're working on the future uh, savings and livelihood of every people that's working Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, everything that, that we work on, someone pays for. If someone pays for it, it means it's precious for that person. So you just oh, yes. need to find that view, you know, that perception and tell it to your developers, right? Because no one will pay you to do something that, you know, he or she doesn't care, yeah. right? Exactly. It, it's precious to them, right? And, and, and the banking example is a really good example because a lot of people can say, oh, it's very boring, but do you really think it's boring? I mean, you, you need to ensure that you don't make errors because as you said, these are people's savings or, you know, these are transactions, these are money, you don't want to lose them. And there are so many edge cases. And when you start oh, yeah. explaining this to the people, they say, oh man, it's actually much more interesting. I want to go to that project, you know, I want to go to that project. So th this is, uh, again, if it was easier to be a leader, you know, people wouldn't uh, post positions for, uh, for looking for managers, right? It's, it's oh, yeah. because it's, uh, it's hard to look and, 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 and to find that perspective and to motivate people. But then again, it's rewarding. You know, people, they feel the reward when they do something hard, right? It's, it's the same with the games. You, you go to the next level, it's a little bit harder. I mean, if it was easier, then you wouldn't play the game, right? No, <laughs> it yeah. would be counter, counterintuitive. <laughs> exactly. And no. since you mentioned books, um, I'm curious, like, what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? So I would say that uh, I, the Robot from uh, Isaac Asimov. It's, okay. uh, it's not a leadership book. Um, sorry, guys. No, it doesn't have to be but a leadership why, book, any book. Why did it have such a great impact on you? Yeah, because, uh, and I, I read it, uh, I was always fascinated by robots and AI, you know, back then, uh, people didn't call it AI, <laughs> uh, but robotics, uh, robotics and, mm. and the future. And, you know, I was really excited about, um, about a world with machines that can think. And, you know, many, and, and, Either robot, it's not only about robots, right? There are different stories about, um, you know, different um, things that happened in the future. And uh, there is a story, for example, for, for a man that uh, he invented the time machine just to go back and uh, reunite with his son. Uh, and because his son uh, passed passed away uh, and what he found out was that he can go back in time but he's just relieving the same you know pain uh, painful moment so so it's, it's not only about robots it's it's a great book i recommend it if you read it you're not going to become uh and, and you follow mm -hmm. the steps you're not going to become a better leader i can promise you this you know but but you know it it, it says a lot of a, a lot of where we are going because uh, Isaac Asimov, he, 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 he was talking about this uh, computer brain. 
And he didn't knew about AI, he didn't knew about neural networks, machine learning, and etc. But everything that he wrote in the book right now, it's like, it's not science fiction anymore, right? So it's, um, this is why I like it. You, you read about something that's science fiction and you know that eventually for good or bad, you are going there. And it's better to be prepared, right? It's better to know what might be coming so that you prepare yourself. Um, so that, that's why I like the book. It's, it's a lot of stories that if you, you can reflect a lot about them and you can learn a lot. It's not like the typical leadership book where they tell you ABC and everything is like summarized. You need to summarize it yourself and you need to find your own truths about, uh, about life. And, and, and this is why I like it. And there are also other books, you know, science fiction books mm -hmm. that's really cool. Uh, looking at the future, uh, I know Nidiaoko, you're um, really passionate about the green revolution. So uh, how do you see it unfolding from a technological standpoint? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I can talk a lot about uh, green uh, revolution and it's, uh, it's not because it's like modern topic and it's hot topic and everyone is discussing it, but because I really think that's, uh, that's the future. You know, I was, I was at school, I was like fifth grade and we were learning about this uh, ecosystem called the earth and that everything is connected. You breathe air and then uh, you breathe out CO2, it gets recycled and in this ecosystem is working like a clock, perfect, you know, clock. And I always ask myself, you know, I always ask myself back then, you know, okay, I buy, you know, it's not, there weren't any computers back then, you know, so, so commercially available or iPods or, or phones. But I was asking, okay, you know, I, I buy this book, you know, how does it get recycled? Or, you know, we buy this car. What happens with, with the metals in this car? How, how do they get recycled? And because I was young, I was like, oh, you know, someone must have figured it out, right? They must have figured it out. Because oh, yeah. if you're mining ore <laughs> to build, you know, metal cars, at some point, you exhaust the, you know, all, 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 all the all, all the supplies in, in Earth. At some point, you reach the end of it. I mean, if, if you're mining for for oil and for for petrol, to for gasoline, at some point there will be nothing to mine because you 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 mined it all. So my I I was always thinking, you know, I, I was stressed out, you know, back then. Like uh, how this ecosystem works, because we've always learned about the biological stuff, you know, water, air, animals, and et cetera. But we never learn about the physical stuff, about the, you know, cars, the economics, uh, houses, exactly. But I always said, someone must have figured it out, right? I mean, we cannot <laughs> expect to go without a full cycle, right? We, we should recycle. So, you know, I was yeah. like, Cool, cool, I'm not gonna stress about this. And then you grew up and found out what? And then I grew out and like 10 years ago, I was like, every time I bought something from, uh, Amazon wasn't accessible 10 years ago, so much accessible in, in Bulgaria. But you know, if, if I buy something from the store, you know, I open the box and then there is another box and then there is another box that you threw away. 
And you know, at some point I, I, I start getting depressed, right? I, you know, I buy something and then I get depressed because there's so much waste that I don't use. And at the end of this product life cycle, for example, you, you buy a phone in four years time. I mean, four years is a lot. I mean, two years yes. time, one year's time, you threw it away. Where does it go? I mean, this is so much stuff in there, you know, so much polluting. So I get really, uh, I get really depressed. I know the answer and... to that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. As it so, goes to Mexico and India yeah, where, where it gets recycled and it, it kills our free rivers, all the fish and yeah. uh, 40 villages. Yeah. I'm talking so, about the gold inside CPUs and telephones. And yeah, yeah, computers, yeah, but yeah. That's too depressing to think about. <laughs> it's too depressing. So I was like, maybe I'm nuts because, you know, I was talking to my friends, talking to my peers, and they weren't like, oh, you know, it's get recycled or don't think about it. But <laughs> then, you know, five years ago, people started talking about it. And uh, it, it's really, you know, got me excited because I saw that, you know, I wasn't nuts and, you know, people really get depressed about this, especially the younger generation, you know, they, they really get depressed a lot. And uh, this is why I think it's important. It's, it's longer answer, but it is important because the resources we have, they're not endless. And, uh, we have a limited life span on this planet, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, whatever, it's limited, right? And we're lucky right now, and every one of us is a little bit selfish, right? Because we are using stuff and we don't have 100% recycling at the moment. So our kids and their kids, you know, they, they pay the, the higher price. And uh, that's why I think it's, it's really important to, to act now. It's, it's late, but we can still, you know, change, change it for a better. And uh, the more we talk about it, the more people get educated and, and, and they start thinking about why is it important? And the short answer is it is important because we need a future for our children and their children. Um, I want to add something to what you said uh, for our listeners out there and to maybe not necessarily create a sense of urgency, but to draw further attention. Exactly what you're talking about, uh, about resources being finite and our dependence on finite resources, it is already happening today in a field and it's not being talked about, especially the general public has no idea because... (laughs) everybody's scared to admit that this is a huge problem. Almost everything when it comes to constructions is dependent on concrete. Mm-hmm. Okay. The sand used in concrete for concrete, you need cement and sand minimum. The sand used is finite and you cannot recycle it. There are countries on earth today that have a, a ban on trading concrete grade construction sand and if you smuggle it you will do hard time in some of the worst prisons on earth because they are not the most uh, western countries in the world and more and more countries each year are placing restrictions and bans on the trade and sell of construction grade sand so again you cannot recycle it 
can't quite make more of it and we're highly dependent on it. And if you wait, you can make more of it. You can wait for it to yeah. go naturally. But, but the idea is uh, there's, a, there's a lot of resources, um, how I see it. And usually it's the ones that are less talked on that are more in danger of disappearing yeah. than the major ones. Because for example, oil, I think it's more for for its drive. valuation to drive the price up. Yes, because they keep finding more and more of the uh, of the stuff. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. We it seems each year we're, we're going to run out of oil, and the next day they find out an an even bigger supply of it. Yeah, and gas <laughs> is the same. And uh... gas is the same, but there are water. Uh, I'm more worried about water mm-hmm. than fresh I about water. fresh water yeah, than I'm uh, of oil. Um, uh, the sand part maybe it will be better because I, I like wood more and would love to see more houses built of wood rather than concrete. You but... can grow forests back, so it's not it's uh, it's renewable. <laughs> it's a renewable uh, in our lifetime renewable resource wood, and it's it's healthier in my opinion. Uh, so there are other resources, the quality of air, uh, which it's also it's dwindling by the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes uh, and planting more trees would help us have uh, houses and also solve some uh, some of the air qualities um, it, it's it's a really complex topic and uh, uh, sometimes I feel like uh, all, some of the stuff we're focusing on it's it's not the, the important stuff as usually it's just to, for economical reasons it's the important stuff because it helps some people make a lot of money out of it. Yeah. And the problem is today... It's not because it will help improve the quality of all living people on the earth. It's just because it's it's more feasible to have a fat bankroll due to that. Feeling. Yeah. It's, it's, there are plenty of solutions for a lot of problems. The, the major stepping block that I find is that some of these problems are 20, 30, 40 years old, and there are people who made their careers on the existence of this prob- these problems. Yeah, so want to, to yeah. give them back and well, lose all the work, all their, all their yeah, statuses. Yeah. And that's leadership. As a leader, you go in because there's a problem, you solve it, it's done, go find something else to be a leader in. Yeah, like, You don't go in and keep the problem so you can still be a leader. <laughs> and you'd be surprised how, how one problem can be a great advantage or solution for another. For example, plastic pollution is a very big problem. And the biggest problem is, okay, we, we, we got all that plastic, we didn't throw it in the oceans, we, we, we got it all stored in one place. What should we do with it now? Well, maybe we could recycle it, okay, but to recycle it, it, it implies use of energy, manpower, and it again increases the end cost of new plastics. Well, they did find one cool solution in India. They use it to reinforce asphalt roads, which makes the roads so much more durable. But then again, in countries like Romania and other countries in Europe, if you suddenly make asphalt roads last 10 times longer, some people will yeah. go bankrupt overnight. They will pay a, a, an arm and a limb to stop that innovation. So it, it, it goes back. It goes back to leadership. It's, it's all about leadership. <laughs> well, yeah. Nediaco, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? 
I think they can uh, ping me on LinkedIn. You know, they, they can, uh, they can uh, search for my profile. Uh, I'm always happy to start a discussion and, uh, you know, meet, meet new and interesting people. So uh, LinkedIn, I think, is, is the best place. I don't have any blogs or uh, vlogs thinking about them. But uh, at the moment, you know, LinkedIn. Maybe the company website? Yeah, the company website. It's more branded. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can, you, can, you can go to mobilewaves.com if you want, if you need IT resources or if you need help for your projects and if you need dedicated developers, QAs, project managers, it's, it's a good place to, to start. Yeah, they have good leadership. It's, uh, well, <laughs> at least on the technical side, we cannot speak yeah. to <laughs> the rest of the leaders. And if uh, if you're from Bulgaria or want to move to Bulgaria and you're on the tech side, I highly recommend reaching out to Nidialko. Maybe he has a position for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And as he said, learn some leadership from a good leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Idelko, for coming on the show. It's been a true pleasure and it's been a really, really interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure for me as well. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share, please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.